everybody. This is Opposing the Matrix. You've got Dave here. Uh, it is uh, 5.25 uh, of 2020 at 6.34 in the evening. Um, tonight we have a special guest, Brian, back, who, uh, if you're a regular listener, you heard a few weeks ago we had Brian on. We were talking about the, the subject of uh, demon possession with within um, within the believers of, of uh, Jesus. And it was a very interesting show. And a very enlightening show, and it was, uh, I got an education anyway. And we also have, uh, oh, first of all, hi, Brian. Hi. I'm sitting over here waving at you <laughs> like you can see me. Uh, and then uh, we have Jim and Eric. Hello, gentlemen. Good evening. Hello. How are you guys doing? Great, great. So tonight, you know, um, we are living in perilous times. Uh, I think I could say that with a pretty good assuredness. And, um, you know, with the COVID-19 thing going on, possible military action in this country, hopefully not. Um, but in uh, a uh, taking back of what has been taken away from us. And and it, it's a stress, no matter how much you don't think it's a stress, it's a stress upon you. Um, the one thing about stress is that a lot of times we don't realize we're under it and we find out when it's too late. So we're here to let you know what stress is all about. And that's what we've been doing. And also the answer to stress, uh, there is only one answer to stress, and that's a relationship with Jesus. Um, but uh, tonight we're going to talk about uh, times when, you know, all four of us have have um, had times when we've been under a, a great deal of stress. And and God has always been faithful to come to us in, in many different ways and to explain to us how much he loves us and how much he cares for us, the mission that he has for us, um, and, and what we're supposed to do with, with other people, too. Um, because we're supposed to be ministers to our brothers and sisters. So um, we're going to share some things tonight that have happened to us. And hopefully you guys will be blessed by it. And you'll realize that you're not alone, that there there's um, what uh, somebody at work likes to call the man upstairs, but we know him personally. So uh, there's our Lord and Savior Jesus, our, our, our kinsman redeemer, our brother, our friend, who is up there representing us before the Father and, and coming with his Holy Spirit to uh, tell us a lot of times what um, what we need to hear uh, to keep our to keep us going to keep our faith faith bolstered and 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 many other things. So um, I'm going to go ahead and um, just say uh, we've introduced everybody. So uh, if um, I'm going to just throw it out there and say you know who wants to start and just uh, and give a an example, uh, Brian. I know that you have had some really awesome times with the Lord and, and have had mm-hmm. him speak to you. And, and, uh, so since you're our guest, maybe it would be proper to ask you to go first, if you don't mind, otherwise we can, you know, get to you, but, uh, you've had some awesome things happen. So, uh, would you like to tell us about two, one, two or three of them right now? And maybe it's a yeah, um, yeah, it's hard to know where to start. Um, well, I, I guess let me help you out because I know that there was a time when, um, I think you were alone at home. This is what was told me anyway. And the Lord just really told you how much he loved you and and cared for you. If you'd like to share that, that would be awesome. Yeah, that was um, July of 1995 in Eugene, Oregon. Um, I We just bought a house. I was fixing it up. And it was a hot day. It was like in the 90s. So the windows were all open. And at that time in my life, uh, God had been re- revealing to me things of the Spirit. Um, I grew up in a Baptist church and then was exposed to more of the spiritual gifts. And um, the Spirit was moving in our church, and it was doing some things that were uncomfortable for me to observe. 
And at the time I was a leader in the church and my brother was a pastor. So, you know, it was like, I'm thinking, why is this going on? You know, and this type of things. And, Mm -hmm. and, uh, he started revealing to me. Uh, he, as I spoke a few weeks ago, he delivered me of demons uh, out of my body, and I was a believer. I've been saved since 1970. So um, at this time now, I've been delivered. And when he delivered me, it's like you just all of a sudden it's like you know when your ears are plugged up after you go swimming, and then you unplug them. It's like you've got brand new hearing. It's like wow, I can hear. That's what it was like when I was delivered. It was like, wow, I could hear his voice. I can feel his presence like magnified. Wow. It, it, it was, I had a hunger for the word of God. Uh, it wasn't hard for me to want to pick up my Bible. I, I could not, I, I wanted to do it. I just, it was like I had to have a glass of water every day. It was called the word. And it was all what he just did through that deliverance. And he's, he cleaned out my house and he was putting stuff in the house. And uh, in in my in my soul and in my mind, because the spirit already lives there, the Holy Spirit. So um, I was working on this house, and just uh, it was a hot day. It was about six in the evening in the summertime, and I tore all this drywall and lumber off in this living room, and I had a huge pile of it in the living room. You know, lumber with nails in it and drywall, mm-hmm. and. I was getting ready to go home for the day, and I uh, I just kind of said, because I've been dwelling on all the things that have been happening in my life, and I just said, Lord, thank you for allowing me to buy this house. I kind of said it under my breath, and instantly, I mean literally instantly, I felt this person in the room. I felt, I mean, I felt it. I physically felt it, and I kind of got like, it took my breath away, and I felt weak. And the weakness, I could kind of tell you, the best way to relate it is uh, working in the sun on a hot day and bending over and then getting up too fast. Your head starts to spin, and you kind of feel disoriented. Mm-hmm. That's magnified 100 times. It was like it just hit me, and I thought, somebody's in my living room. And I looked up, and about, oh, 10, 12 feet away from me was this man standing there. I'm, I couldn't tell exactly how tall he was because I was already slumped over a little bit. I wasn't on the floor, but I was kind of slumped over. And I was leaning against this wall to my kitchen. But he was at least my height, maybe a little taller, as hard as hell. Uh, he had a beard. He was glowing white, just like they say in the scriptures. White, I can't, it's not even white. White, the, the, there's no word of a color that can really describe the color of this brightness um and his hair was long he had a beard and i knew exactly what it was it was jesus and just staring at me and then i i I realized i looked up and i saw who it was and i collapsed on the floor right into this pile of debris that i just put there oh it was drywall and two by fours with nails and and i'm i'm just and I just collapsed. I mean, I didn't. I didn't do it on purpose. I could not stand. I didn't say. I. I just couldn't do it. My legs gave out, and I'm laying there on this pile. And uh, somebody asked me, "Well, was it a vision?" And the best way I can describe it is an older house 
Does a does a vision make the floor squeak when you walk? Wow. So the floor, I could feel his steps pushing up and down on the floor and hearing the boards move. Oh man. And and it, and the and the, all I can say is is gosh, it's hard to use terminology. Um there's verses that talk about his presence, and his presence goes out before him and it and and just he, the best way to put it in a Star Wars sense, he had a force field of energy around him. Mm-hmm. I couldn't see it, but boy, could I feel it. And the closer he got, the more of that presence of his energy affected my physical body. And he wasn't even near, he hadn't touched me yet. And so the closer he got, the more filled with the Holy Spirit I got, because the Holy Spirit lives in me, and the Holy Spirit is loving what's happening, Okay. But my physical body was not liking it very much. And the closer he got, all of a sudden I realized I'm leaving my body. I'm dying because I could feel myself be pulled apart. It's hard to explain. I know there's people out there who have gone through similar things. They know what I'm talking about. And I could actually start to see my body on the floor. But I wasn't all the way out of my body. But it's hard to explain. But I was like halfway out. And I yelled out, I can't take it. I can't take it. I can't take it. And all of a sudden, I felt this touch on my shoulder. A a human hand touched me on the shoulder. And I was good. I was back. I was back in my body. And I was one. Again, I was one piece. (laughs) But I was still uh, uh, being filled with the spirits on an understatement. I can't. That's just it's not it's way beyond that. It's way beyond that. And he was speaking to me. He could have spoke verbally to me, but it's very interesting. And I've read books about people who have died, gone to heaven, come back, and there's movies and all that stuff. He spoke to me through my thoughts. And like he does now, he speaks to all of us through the written word, through people, through circumstances, but also thoughts in your brain. He uses your brain and your heart. Sometimes you'll feel something in your heart and you don't know what it is. It's some God's putting something in your heart. Then he puts the words in the brain to explain what you're feeling. Mm-hmm. So he was speaking to my brain about what I was feeling. And his, and how do I know? His thoughts were loud and clear. It, it was so loud in my brain, I thought it was audible. Wow. It sounded like he was literally talking to me. And he was just saying, the things that are going on in your life are for me. The things going on in the church are for me. If, if you see somebody in your church or a believer and they're being delivered, I just touch them. I just touch them. Mm-hmm. Because if you see them, it was a time of the movement of the spirit, like in Toronto, the Toronto thing you've heard about. Right. Uh, that's the time this was happening. Because if you see somebody laughing, it's me. And if it's not me, you'll know it's not me. But you'll know if it's me. Mm-hmm. It goes... I touch who I want to touch. I heal who I want to heal. This is my church. These are my people. I love them. I died for them. And you are mine too. And I love you. And he spoke, he spoke, he spoke some other things to me that are personal. I can't speak. And, and I, it lasted the whole time, probably lasted a minute from the time I saw him. He walked over, touched me and spoke to me, maybe a minute, minute and a half. It wasn't a long time. I didn't have a clock. I'm just guessing. But it wasn't a long time. And and one of the things I forgot to tell you is he was walking toward me. 
I was trying to escape. I was trying to run. Mm-hmm. And and I'll explain that in a minute. Why would I want to do that? Well, I was dying. I was physically being killed alive. <laughs> and I was digging through this rubble of drywall trying to escape his presence. But as you know, you can go in the deep depths of the ocean. You can't escape his presence. You go out and land on Jupiter and hide in a cave, or not Jupiter, but Mars, and you're not going to escape. Mm-hmm. So, but I was trying and I'm a believer. And um, the reason I did that is a godly fear of who was in my house. Mm-hmm. I know who he was. I immediately knew who he was. The sp- Holy Spirit in me was totally calm inside of me. But emotionally, I was a wreck. Yeah. And uh, there's many scriptures, if anybody's listening, about believers and unbelievers standing before the Lord and dropping like dead men in his presence. Mm-hmm. Uh, Moses came off the mountain. His, his face was shining. And and it's just in the old and new, in the Gospels, it's it's all over the place. And so I understand those scriptures better now because you cannot stand in his presence in a physical body unless he allows you to. And that's why when we get to heaven one of these days, this body can't go with us. It won't be able to make the trip, and it won't be able to last in heaven. Mm-hmm. So he he came over, and when he touched me, that's when I kind of came back together. But I was still filled with the spirit, magnified by a thousand. It was I. It was just incredible. And then he left, and I laid there for a few minutes. I got up off the floor. I literally crawled over to something to pull myself up and I was so weak in my physical body but my 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 soul you know the things we get stressed about that part of your body that part of your brain that you just that was good I wasn't worried about a thing I wasn't worried about nothing um it was what I mean what would I be worried about I just met the lord and so I was so filled with the spirit. I was staggering around my house, shutting the house up to lock it up. My brother was a pastor, and I um, and I went straight over to his house to tell him what happened. I had to tell somebody. Mm-hmm. I, I just was, and I'm driving down the road in, on River Road. You know, River Road is Dave. Right. Heading out toward um, I can't remember. Barbara would remember where he lived, but screaming out my window. Uh, praise the Lord, praise God, just using godly adjectives to describe our great God. Mm-hmm. I got to his house, he opened the door, and I collapsed on his front porch right in front of him. Wow. And he drugged me in the house and asked me what was going on, and I told him. And somebody asks, well, that should change your life for the rest of your life. Things will, Well, yes and no. Because in scriptures, there's a lot of high points for believers in the Old and New Testament, but they also had a lot of low points right after their high points. Mm-hmm. That's right. And, uh, you know, Elijah with the prophets of Baal, if I'm thinking correctly, uh, he just he beat him on the mountain. And then he's hiding from the queen the next verse. Right. Depressed. So what it taught me was. He loves me. 
and he cared so much about me that he came to show to talk to me personally about some stuff going on. Why? I don't know why, but he did. And when I think about it sometimes, and I, I'm even talking about now, all those feelings come back up inside me. And I look at that as a, a turning point in my life because I was already starting to move in the spiritual gifts of prophecy. And it accelerated tenfold after that meeting with him. Mm-hmm. So good to come out of it that way. But the Lord loves us. And one of these days, uh, we're going to see him face to face. I mean, I just, it's hard to explain, but our, you know, let me just tell anybody out there who who's a believer, but actually doubts that the Lord's really in their life. He's really in your life. And he's, he's amazing. He's powerful. I mean, he was so powerful, but he was so gentle, so kind and tender to me. He, he just was the, the most polite person. And the way he spoke to me, the words that he was using in his, to, to communicate to me weren't harsh. They were said softly. It was just, and, but they were direct. I've known this already, but I really knew then. God doesn't beat around the bush when he speaks to us. Right. He gets right to the point. And boy, did he get to the point. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, I've had other things happen. That was probably one of the highlights, but there's been other things that have happened. But um, I wasn't asking for it. But looking back, one of the things that prepared me for that, there's so much going on right now, as everybody knows. I don't have to go into all the details. Everybody knows what I'm talking about. It just drains you. It just drains you emotionally, physically, and spiritually. And that's exactly what the enemy wants. He wants to drain us from the COVID and uh, just the worry of it or the politics behind it, whatever it is, or the sickness. But God wants to heal us and empower us and deliver us. That's what he wants. And he wants to put us on that high place in the cleft of the rock so he can pass by and show us his glory. Because God likes to show his children who he is. And it's really strengthened me. Um, God is, the Lord Jesus is real. He's as real Amen. as you guys are talking to me back and forth. He is so real. I got. I know you guys all know this, obviously, because you're believers. But man, he is unbelievable. It's just, um, I mean, and, and I'm pretty sure he had his glory toned down quite a bit to be with me. He probably had it dialed all the way down way down, like way down, <laughs> you know, <laughs> minus 10, because I couldn't take much more. Um, I couldn't take much more. And it lasted for days, days and actually months. Mm-hmm. And I, I just, there's one other time I got so many, but just if you don't mind. No, go ahead. Um, I was in my truck going to a church, a Sunday night meeting. It was in the evening around 6, 6.30. I was running late. I had a little Ford Ranger pickup. And we're going to go to church, and we're going to have a, a prayer time, I think. And I, I started turning my radio on. Oh, we were going to pray for the city of Eugene. We were going to pray for salvation for the city, and God would move in the city. And uh, I was on my way there, and I started to turn the radio on just Sometimes I, you have to noise in your car. I was going to turn it on. I don't know why I did that. 
And a voice came through the radio and said, turn the radio off. I go, what? He goes, you heard me. Turn the radio off. I turned the radio off. (laughs) And he spoke through that to me and started showing me things as I was driving. I almost couldn't drive the truck. Yeah, I know that is. And and he goes, um, he showed me a vision of a guy um, on a bed, sitting on a bed. I'm trying to remember. He had a white, he had jeans on, white socks, a white t-shirt, and he was sitting on the bed. I go, you see that guy? I go, yeah, I do. And the Lord goes, he's right now, this very moment, he lives in your city, and he's thinking of killing himself right now. He goes, he wants to kill himself. He goes, what do you want me to do? He goes, you pray for him. And these are the kind of people that are all over the cities of all over the world and all over your country where you live. There are millions of people like this. And yet my people don't want to pray because they're too tired. Or they don't want to pray because they're too busy. He goes, the very blessings I've given my people, they're using them to take away time from me. Oh, wow. Tell my people to pray tonight for these people. Mm-hmm. And that was it. Wow. So, wow, that's yeah. Amazing. So it's just, but when it comes down to it, all these years it's been, so what's that? It was 95, 96, and now it's 2020. Well, when it comes down to it, you don't live by bread alone, but every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Amen. You live by, and this is for all believers, you can't just live on experiences. It's great that they happen. I pray it keeps happening. I I believe in being filled with the Holy Spirit, being used by the Spirit, being prophesied, all that. But you're only as good to the Lord as you are in your personal walk with him. Mm -hmm. And so be filled with the spirit. Yes. Be filled with the word of God. Read the word, study the word, memorize the word uh, the best you can. You know, God's not going to say you have to do it two hours a day or one hour a day. It might just be a one verse you've read. And that's all he wants you to know that day. Mm -hmm. Just dwell on that. And that's what he's taught me all these years. This is not a sprint. It's a race. It's a long haul race. And we need to take one day at a time, trust him every day, live for him, whether he gets you out of your trial or not. Right. Now, it's, um, you mentioned you got saved in 1970, and that was like 1993, 1995, I'll just say right around there. So uh-huh. that's, what, 25 years? Um, yeah. So, so, you know, there might be people out there that relish to have what happened to you. And, but, you know, they might not be as far along in a relationship as you were at the time. Um, but it must be emphasized, I think, that he reveals himself to us when he wants to, just like he did with you. Uh, not when we want it, most, more, basically, not necessarily like we want it. And that, you know, just because it hasn't happened to them yet doesn't mean it's going to in the future. Because... You know, like it, like I said, it took 25 years to you, for you to have that particular vision. You might have more, uh, might have had more in, uh, you know, before that. But that's the one that really sticks with you. And and um, so, you know, I would just encourage people, you know, don't if you haven't had that, and you you kind of doubt your your salvation. 
or you're down mm-hmm. that you know you have a close relationship with him, um, just wait, you know, and uh, someday you're going to have that uh, uh, hold my Pepsi moment, you know, <laughs> and it's going to happen yeah. to you, you know, and so uh, don't lose heart because it's you know it's it's bound to happen, and he he finds a way to, to speak to each one of us in, in his time. We used to sing that song, remember, in the church, in his time, in his time, he does all things beautiful in his time. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's that's a very good song. I think people should we should start singing that in churches again. But um, yeah. So and thanks for sharing that, Brian. If anything else comes up, you know, um, we got plenty of time if you do. Um, Jim, yeah, I got Jim, Eric, um, anybody? Eric, go for it. Hello, Eric. Uh, <laughs> uh, why don't you go first, Jim? Aww. <laughs> okay. All right, chicken. Yeah. All right. Well, I got several things, I guess. Um, one of them, I guess, was, you know, my own personal calling um, into doing what I'm doing now. I had, uh, the context of the time, I, you know, I had founded the first Christian motorcycle ministry in the last days. I mean, it, it survived me, but in the last days, we had a horrible division. I felt really guilty and responsible for what had happened. Kind of misread some things that the Lord had told me. Um, we had successfully been together for seven years. We ended up being on 700 Club. We ended up having a ministry outreach that literally helped found many other ministries similar to ours. I actually wrote a uh, a package that other cities other places after we were on channel seven news did a documentary uh 700 club did a documentary and basically you know we were formed out of ex-bikers to evangelize the outlaw motorcycle clubs in um in the detroit area and one thing led to another and and uh we became pretty well known. We had so many people saved, we couldn't keep them in our own little place. So we channeled them out to good churches that we knew were in local areas around Michigan. And being a bike club, you're, you're traveling all around different places, doing runs, going to bike uh, uh, assemblies and whatever. So we would try to fit people into where we knew they were in good hands. When we started filling churches up with so many people, we wanted to know, who are these guys? What are they doing? We never, you know, this is weird. But back in 1970, um, 778 was when we first began you know something like that was unheard of so people really didn't want to get too close to it even my own pastor was kind of reluctant to attach himself into it until he could see that there was so much fruit coming from it that you know that spoke on its own but um so we had that ministry so i was pretty well known locally in in the detroit area but when i got called into the whole ufo alien thing that was totally different i mean even though i would i knew um, a lot of people in the Detroit metro area, that was something that was totally under, misunderstood and not accepted by anyone. And uh, even to the point where everybody saw that Wilson, man, he's gotten off into this new age stuff and UFOs and aliens and you know who knows what to make of them. Well, in the context of everything, I'm still carrying a certain amount of false guilt about the breakup of the King's Kids. Now, later... I had a, one of the ex-members say, Jim, can I, I want to start it back up. Is that okay? And I said, yeah, go for it, man. And this guy was faithful, and we just had our 40, 
second reunion a couple of years, well, just before the coronavirus thing had broke out, we had our last reunion. It was 42 years that disciplinary ministry had been together. And literally, we were kind of like a foundation for many of the uh, bike-type ministries. Nobody makes the connection because we weren't looking to gather some name. We didn't want to be a central place where we're directing and telling everybody in every city what to do and how to do it. I presented a little package like a starter kit here, you know, you know how to service your own local area and culture and how to fit in. This is a basic guidelines. Go for it. So that, that worked really, really well. Now, when I was called into the whole UFO alien thing, I had backslid, uh, uh, actually backslid because of the guilt that I had, that it was my fault that the ministry broke up. A um, little bit of a pity party, a lot of other things going on, but I, I just left. I wasn't really consciously mad at God, but I felt like I was left holding the bag and why did all this happen? So I slowly just detached myself away until the next thing I know, I was 100% full-scale backslidden uh, for three years. That's my little Egypt experience. And uh, it was during that time, somebody called me up and they said, uh, you know, uh, Jim, you got to watch this freak show, man. It's really crazy. There's, It's on Jerry Springer. And I said, who's that? Because I didn't watch TV much. And I said, well, just turn it on and just, you know, just keep an open mind. Look at it right now. It's on. So I looked and it was on alien abduction. And it was on the, you know, of course, now I know who Jerry Springer is. It's just anything that's weird and freaky. As I'm watching this program, the Lord spoke to me and said, had you not departed from me, you would be there right now on that program standing in the gap. This is the next ministry I have. You know better. And I want you to I want you to come back. And. It blew my mind because I gave my first sermon on the whole UFO alien thing, believe it or not, in 1978, when it was probably five or six people on the whole planet that even knew this connection between Genesis 6 and what we call the Genesis 6 paradigm now. So it's like, my God, I remember telling my congregation, someday I'm going to have to get back into this. But I didn't realize that some of these activities were already happening uh, at that time. So. This caused me to snap out of my backslidness. I, um, a lot of things that happened where I was at at the time, the Lord had me change jobs. I moved 64 miles away uh, from everybody that I had been a part of, started a whole new life. I had made good money, so I had banked a lot of it. I had just got out from a friend of the court, which is a friend of themselves. My kids had grown and, and become adults, so I didn't have to pay 900 and some dollars a month with what I was paying. So, I mean, it was just crazy. I had to work two jobs sometimes just to keep ends meeting. All of that was under the water. It was past. Now, all of a sudden, whatever I made was mine. Well, actually, I had lots of money in the bank. And enough to, I kept it under 10000 in one bank and then open another account if I got more. Because if you're under $10,000, you are under the radar. Nobody knows what you got. And they didn't need to know. And so I'm out 65 miles away from everybody and anybody. I start fasting and praying. I start seeking the Lord to see what in the heck's going on. What are you calling him into? And, and I started getting a lot of answers. I get woke up at 4 o'clock in the morning. I would start writing down in a prayer journal what was going on. And I'm doing a lot of fasting and praying. Um, it was probably one of the closest times I ever had with the Lord, where he was literally waking me up and talking to me. Now, I had, in order to learn accuracy in his voice, I actually went on a very lengthy fast when we were in the most dangerous time in the bike ministry. I actually went on a 40-day fast. I was working in a steel shop, too, at the same time. 
And I was able to do both because God had called me to it. So he equipped me for it and I was able to do it. And it was through that he was teaching me how to hear his voice and hear it clearly and not be presumptuous. That was part of the problem that eventually led to our breaking up. And, and I think all of us that have a prophetic gifting, we've all experienced that. We've all realized that it's on the job training. We learn as we go. When we goof it up, the Bible says that God resists the proud and gives grace to the humble. So the idea right there is that if I need all the grace I can get, then I got to be humble. It's not a choice based on emotion. It's a choice of pragmatic. If I need God's grace, I have to be humble. So I'm making my decision not based on emotional feeling. I'm basing it pragmatically what the Word of God says. If you want God's grace, then by God, don't let, you know, uh, don't let emotions interfere. You have to, you want my grace, you have to be humble. So, I mean, there's times, you know, I'd rather lay knuckles on someone rather than to lay hands on them. But that's the old biker attitude. You can't have that. So it doesn't work right. Uh, didn't work for Judas. Won't work for us either. So long story short, I'm, I'm fasting, I'm praying. And the Lord, I heard something. And it was the devil. He was tapping me on the shoulder. And he says, so 3,000 years, nobody knew, um, nobody knew, um, Samson's riddle, and now you think you understand the, the riddle, and you've made this connection? So who do you think you are? Next thing you know, you're going to be serving everybody Kool-Aid. Oh. That's not going to work too well. And it got it, it shook me up for a minute. I just realized, oh, my gosh. And then I started thinking about the ministry in the past and everything. I, I let myself get freaked out. The Lord said, no, Jim, calm down. Look in the Bible. He gave me a scripture. And I looked at it, and he was saying, you're going to be standing alone for a long time. You've got to have confidence of what I'm telling you. But then when he showed me what I go, okay, all right, I lost it. I'm nuts. This is crazy. My son, 12 years old then, he was with me during this time because uh, I lived on a on a lake, so we could go fishing all the time, and he loved to fish. So he was my little weekend buddy come out and I had not the weekend. So he was aware of all these things that were going on. And uh, I freaked out so bad. I threw away all the books that I was studying on. I threw away my prayer journal. I threw everything in a way. I said, that's it. I'm, I'm losing it. I don't know what I'm doing. I'm, so when in doubt, don't do anything. I got rid of everything. I called my parents. They were still alive. They were, they were awesome parents. Um, they were everybody's, they were part of the, the bike ministry. They were everybody's mom and dad that nobody, if you never had a good mom and dad, my parents were everybody's parents. That's just the way they were all their lives. My dad was a football coach, baseball coach. They were super parents. Um, Warden June Cleaver, pretty much, almost that kind of a way. My dad was a backslidden Baptist. My mother was never anything and grew up, you know, just outside of the church completely. Um, but they both had a sense of moral you know, values, and they both had a great sense of a capacity to love. So I never got jealous with all the kids that come over. Sometimes they come over not to talk to us or play with my brother and I. They wanted to talk to mom and dad. And instead of us getting jealous, we felt how great, how blessed we are, how lucky we are that we got people that want to come over and talk to my parents. So they gave us the love that we had no competitiveness, no fear or anything. So that's the kind of background I grew up in. So my parents at that moment were the only people I could reach out to. And I, I called them. I said, oh, my gosh, I, I think I'm going nuts. I just need to talk. I, I, you know, I don't know what to do. And they said, you come over right now. Just come over right now. Even if you've got to drive all night, you can spend the night here and, and, and then we'll talk in the morning. So I drove out to their place. 
uh, we got up in the morning and my mother was one that she makes up her mind. You don't argue with her. You just kind of go along with it because she's not going to give up until you there's no peace or anything until she does what she she's picked up. She recorded every sermon that I had ever given and had all these cassette tapes and everything. This was back in the day. So, you know, we still had uh, um, we still had Walkman and cassettes and everything like that. She said, here, she gave me a box and she says, you pick out three cassettes. I want you to put them in. I want you to walk around the neighborhood. And when you come back, you tell me the same crazy stuff you're saying. Because I was telling her, I said, you know, this is I'm reaping what I'm sowing. I, I caused the king's kiss to break up. Now I'm just, you know, it, now it's coming back to me and I'm getting my payback or whatever. And she says, no, you were a good pastor. Don't you dare say that. And I don't want you to hear it. So that's when she says, you take these and go. So I randomly took three cassette tapes. I put the first one in and I'm starting to walk around. And I remember the day specifically, most of the people in the Kings because remember this too. I remember the day 15 years ago, I'm doing a sermon and I've always been one that, you know, I was kind of a stickler. I was always full gospel, but I was always a stickler for, you know, if God's going to put you down, we don't set catchers here in this church. So if God's going to put you down, he's going to pick you back up because <clears throat> we don't post catchers. I was always one that, you know, you don't need to fall down to have God, to show God is doing anything. You accept it by faith. That's what faith is. If you fall down, good, you know, but if God's going to make you fall down, he's going to catch you. We're not going to go through this Pentecostal game of of, uh, of anticipation that something has to happen. So we, needless to say, we hardly ever had. So I've done that all the time. The scriptures say that if somebody prophesies, let the elders scrutinize afterwards, those with discernment, to see whether it was really of God. That way you don't get the Jezebel spirit going on in your place. You're supposed to be a check and a balance. Well, nobody ever does that, and that's why a lot of times a lot of weirdness happens. Well, we did that in my church. So <clears throat> here I am. I get a word of knowledge for somebody, and I figured, okay, I'm going to wait until after the sermon. You don't stop in the middle of a sermon and, you know, give something. And and uh, But it, it was the Lord was impressing on me so much. Just don't stop you know, continue on. And uh, <clears throat> finally, I, you know, I apologized to everybody. I said, you know, I, you know, would normally not do this, but I, for some reason, it, the Lord's telling me I have to do this right now and I can't concentrate on the rest of the sermon. So please forgive me, but there's somebody out here that needs to hear this. Now, what I said, I can't really exactly remember word for word, but to paraphrase greatly, it's like what you have been told is real. But you're going to stand by yourself for a long time, so you have to have the confidence that what you heard was real. It's okay. You're not going crazy. It's real. Just rest on that. Well, after I said that, I asked people later, you know, oh, no, don't, doesn't, didn't resonate with me. So, no, I never got anybody that came back and said it resonated with them or it meant something to them. And then when I listened to that, I started crying like a baby because I realized, my God, I was prophesying to me 15 years later exactly what I needed to hear. So my son said he almost dug that uh, my prayer journal out, and I wished he would have because I had a really lot of cool stuff in there that I don't remember every word for it. But it gave me confidence to wait. Wow, what? Yeah. 25, 25 years I've been waiting for some of the things that God has told me this year. The Lord told me. Now, I, I have had to fight so many other Christians on this. Um, the Lord told me that this year, what I have been waiting all this time for, a trigger is going to be set that will start all the things he showed me. I can't help but to get excited about what's coming down in the future. 
God has shown me, and it's there's there's nothing to be well, there's things to be concerned with, but there's nothing to be afraid of, and it's awesome. What the Lord showed me were like little snapshots. I don't know. I know these things are going to happen. I don't know when they're going to happen. I don't know how they are corresponding with other events. They're just little snapshots. I know these snapshots are going to happen, but I don't know how they fit into other things. My dependency, like everyone else, has to be on the Lord on a day-to-day basis. If we had too much detail and knew too much, then our, we would stop depending on the Lord and we'd be depending on events. And I think we can all see that events can change from day to day. This coronavirus, COVID-19 thing has taught us that for definitely for sure. From one day to the next, things can spin 180 degrees. So somehow a trigger is going to be set off this year. What is a trigger? One thing that I've learned the hard way, a trigger just means something triggers off an event. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to figure out what the trigger is. I don't know. You can, you know, you can do a word association thing like um, let's take a something, a different word, a chip. Now, if you're a, a, a lumberjack, you think of a chip, you think of a wood chip. If you're a computer geek, you think of a, um, a com- if you're a lumberjack, you think of a wood chip. If you're a computer geek, you think of a computer chip. If you're the average person, you think of a potato chip. So, I mean, chip means a lot of different things to every individual. So trigger meaning the same thing. One thing I have learned is don't assume it means this, that, or the other. Wait, they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. So waiting is where safety is. I don't know what the trick trigger is. I'm going to have to live it out patiently and wait on the Lord, and He'll show me what I need to know when I need to know it. But one thing I do know is that there is proper instruction from the Word of God, and you guys know this. I'm guy. I'm going to quote Amos three seven again. I keep doing this because I want everybody's brain to get that. In your head, every time we have a show, I'm going to quote that scripture because this is the most important, vital thing to understand right now. Amos 3, 7 guarantees us, and I don't mean just for a period of for somebody way back in the past, guarantees all of us, universal church, all throughout the history. I will not allow anything to happen until I tell my plan to the prophets. God has a plan. He's got it all figured out. He's the winner. The everyone else is a loser. When we study all these plans of the enemy and what they're going to do, you know, it's it's a designed uh, thing against us and everything. Yeah, fine. You know, but you know what? I'm not going to worry about it. You know why? Because I look at my Bible. They don't win. They lose. I'm studying the effects of losers. They lose. They don't win. They don't get to do what they want to do with any kind of effective measure. They fail. Although it's good to know their plan so that by knowing it, you understand how your enemy thinks, what they're doing. We found out in military, that's the best way. Get a psychological profile of your enemy, you know, can anticipate what they're going to do. Right. And the same with Satan. So when you do that, then you can personally get involved to be a part of why they don't work it. You're going to sit back in a, on a bleacher seat and just watch everything go by. You're not contributing. It is our contribution personally by doing what is right because it's the right thing to do. Don't worry about how the effects are. Our imaginations always get in the way. You know, we we think, well, if I do this and they'll do that. Well, if I go vote, they're all rigged. You know, if everybody didn't, enough Christians didn't vote the last election, it wouldn't, Hillary would be a president right now. But it didn't work out because people, enough people of God's people voted and all of a sudden at the last minute, all the corruption machines and everything else, <laughs> it's like, a man, it just did a complete reverse. And we got spared living under um, Hillary Clinton. So, 
what I'm saying is God has a plan. He's going to speak through his prophets. Now, that can be a very big problem for those that have come from denominations of saying, well, the gifts aren't here for today. And, and if you do see them, these, this is the signs and lying wonders of, of people that are the false church. And this is where we're at. We are so divided right now. The worst people that I've had to contend with have been fundamentalists that don't believe the gifts are here for today. So therefore, there are no prophets. There are no, you know, that that is just so illogical. Because I had a fundamentalist background, origin, I thank God for that. They always pound in your head. Everything has to, whatever experience you have or whatever, has to line up book, chapter, text, and verse in the scriptures. They're going to verify and clarify. And it was that very principle that I looked and studied about the gifts. And I go, wait a minute, everything's still for here. Paul says, you know, he's describing the, the offices in a church. And one of them is a uh, prophet above everything. And then apostles, you know, and all the way down to the whole government thing. That's still here for today. That didn't die out when the, when the, um, uh, when the apostles died. Uh, on the day of Pentecost, the apostles uh, are the disciples. These are just other followers, believers in, in Christ. They were filled with the Holy Spirit. They're walking through a, um, a city, and their shadows were casting demons out of people. Now, I don't know about you and me, but when my shadow covers everything, it covers something that was in dark, uh, that was in light, and now it's in darkness. I, I've never had that experience of casting people out. <clears throat> so, I mean, it's, it's just crazy. It doesn't make any sense. When the Bible says that the latter rain is going to be greater than the former rain, the former rain is those people that we're just looking at. Their shadows. So the point is, in these last days, the devil is pointing out, putting out all stops. He's throwing us everything that he's got. Um, you can't believe hardly anyone or anything other than God's plan his prophets to know what his plan is so that we can get through all of the end time events. Cause you know what guys we're at, we're in the apocalypse. Apocalypse means the, the revealing. It's the lifting of the veil, lifting of the veil of what to things that have caused us to be where we're at today. God knows what it is. He's going to reveal these things that we need to know now because space time, every man, everything's been messed up. Yeah. People have been playing with godlike technology and, and qualities that have just crossed all barriers. So as Mark Taylor says, one of the prophets, there's three main prophets that have been so consistent. David Wilkerson with his uh, last sermon, it was called A Call to Anguish, but it, they, there's on YouTube, you can get it. They redid it and it's um, within one hour. Uh, that is, uh, They did some graphics and everything that are so awesome. I've got the link so you can get a hold of me later and, and get the link for that. Um, another one is Kim Clement. Now, I've learned the hard way on that, that um, don't look at the messenger, but study, listen to the message. Kim Clement has a very funny way of doing a very melodramatic, uh, uh, as he's doing music, he's prophesying. Right. And so he's telling you know them to how to do the music and everything so that he can prophesy. I personally, I'm uh, I'm a um, Kind of a mild Pentecostal. You'll never see me do chicken dances or anything, but I mean, uh, but that's okay if that's what people want to do. But that's that's not me. But um, so I find his ministry a little bit bizarre, strange. But I've learned to listen to what the words are, and it's profoundly incredible. It's amazing. He's had specific prophecies on Trump. 
back going back as far back as 1994, right up to 19, uh, 2016 when he passed away. Um, he's had some very specific ones about Detroit, Michigan, about Michigan in general, but in Detroit, Michigan being ground zero for the last outpouring that will reach from shore to shore in this nation and then from to the entire world. Right. So Detroit is like ground zero for this. Um, David Wilkerson segues right into what Mark Taylor, Mark Taylor, a fireman who, like me, is praying for one thing and then gets um, uh, a prophetic visions of events centered around Trump 15 years before it's even been. I think it was 10 or 15. I, I'm not sure. Anyways, um, so in all of that, the people that I've had to defend myself with or not really defend, but try to present reason to have been fundamentalists saying none of this is real. Uh, Mark Taylor's a false prophet. So is Kim Clement. They've been proven wrong. And I said, well, when was the last time you had ever been used in prophecy? Do you speak in tongues? Of course, they never answer me on that because they don't. These are the signs that, that, to follow them that believe. They will lay hands on the sick and they will be healed. They will speak with new tongues. They will cast out demons. It gives a whole long list. Speaking in tongues is essential to this whole thing. Eric, you're the one that gave me an, uh, a profound enlightenment on that when you asked me that one time. Um, what did you ask me? It just, you know, in your own words. Remember about, clo it, about cloven it, tongues? The cloven tongues of fire, I think. Yeah. Now, you know, and I, and I told you, I said, you know, gosh, Eric, I never thought to look it up. I'll, I'll do that. I'll look it up. And oh, my gosh, the Holy Spirit gave me a, a profound understanding of that. Um, and this is why it's so vitally important in these days. And especially for you fundamentalists, if you're some of you are and you're listening to our program now, I need to I, I never made this an issue in the times past. I didn't care. I mean, I I, am, I tell people I'm a Calmanist uh, Bapticostal. There's truths in both camps of the followers of Jacobus Arminius and uh, John Calvin. Um, as long as we keep fighting each other, we're never going to get the complete answer. If we ever finally get together, we can see how everything is compatible with one another. Um, <clears throat> but but so the thing is that the challenge is you're told that these things are ended today. So therefore, they're automatically false prophets. So you're not listening to the fact that this is for everybody all the time. There is God's plan through the prophets. Kim Clement talks about Detroit. He talks about President Trump. Um, it was um, Mark Taylor talks specifically about Trump. Um, Kim Clement said that he would come in as a heathen, a non-believer, but he would get saved. And then some event would happen that was touching the whole world. And that Trump would have a solution so intricate that everybody knows it had to be God, couldn't be a man that could come up with these solutions. And even the press would have to confess the positiveness of uh, results of, of him being president. And we're, I think we're beginning to see, start to see some of this. But Christians are so divided right now on everything. They think Trump's the Antichrist. They think he's a new world order shill. Just a lot of different things um, that this is just it's not accurate. It's not right. If we go to the three prophets, David Wilkerson even started comparing something about King Cyrus and how he was building a wall and how he was, you know, being used of God um, to make Israel great again. Well, it segues right into what we're being presented today with. So these things are, are real, but we're missing it when we allow man-made doctrine to get in the way. David Wilkerson said that God was going to take a time where he was going to turn the world upside down. 
Peter said that there would be a great shaking, that the things that were of man were going to be shaken and shown for what they were, and the things that God would remain. This is the great shaking we're, we're on right now. I'd say within this year, um, maybe till October this year, maybe we'll see the trigger, maybe it'll manifest, maybe it'll be something that'll happen, and we won't see it its effects until maybe later on down the road. I don't know. I have to wait patiently and wait for it. But certainly, there is a plan that God has. We need to tap into it and learn where to, who is speaking it and what is speaking it. Um, I think it's just incredible how these three have a consistency, and there's many others. God is no respecter of people. There's people out there in our audience. We want to get more group participation because some of you have some very important dreams and visions that need to be shared. And we have this great opportunity now where, unfortunately, on YouTube, anybody can say anything, and you can be an articulate speaker and, and sugarcoat a pile of crap and make it sound and look really good. Um, but that's the downside. But the good side is a lot of little people that are unknown have very important things to say, and now they're able to say it. So it's a two-edged sword. So I'm pretty much done. I'm just going to – I had three of them that I want to share, but you know what? I, the one is good enough. I'm, I, I'm done. <laughs> oh, thanks, Jim, for sharing all that. It's great. Eric, I think that, uh, that, that maybe you'd like to contribute. Yeah, absolutely. Glad oh, I'm glad know. Jim is done. I was wondering when he was going to get finished. <laughs> Jim, we love. I, <laughs> I know. So I'm just. It's, you got to know I'm my never, humor a little bit. It's a little bit dry. Uh, you don't know if I. You don't, you don't know if I'm joking or if I'm serious. But no, it's a joke. So, but. <laughs> no, one of my best friends, Kevin, was that way, and I I've learned yeah. to, how to put up. No, I learned yeah. how to understand and interpret it. But you got to yeah. know, I'm never done. I'm always. You know, but I'm done. This time, right? <laughs> Sounds good. So, you still with us, well, Brian? Uh, hey, Brian yeah, took a half an hour. I took a half an hour. So come on. Okay. Come on, right. Give me a break. Go ahead, Eric. <laughs> sure. Uh, yeah. So for me, uh, you know, I am actually quite a bit younger uh, than my two counterparts here. Um, I like to bring that up every once in a while. But uh, <laughs> but yeah. Sure. <laughs> so. Yeah, dying you know, Ed I'm a. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, I I'm I'm still progressing in my walk uh, with God in general. So I'm I have some catch up to do to to get up to where uh, Jim and Dave and Brian are at. But to kind of give you a little bit of my background, um, you know, I'll try to not to be too detailed, but uh, I actually spent the pretty much the full amount of my childhood going in and out of the foster care system uh, up until about age 11. Um, been a lot of, a lot of homes, um, a lot of different schools. And then when I was <clears throat> about 10 years old, me and my brother, I have a biological brother and we got split up in the foster care system and um, he ended up uh, getting into a, a foster home, um, and actually a, a really, really good one because I've actually been in a lot of bad ones myself that weren't so good. And um, I had been living in a, in a separate home here in town. And um, for some reason, my soon-to-be adopted parents uh, decided they were going to go ahead and adopt my brother, but they did not want to adopt him, just him. They wanted to adopt also me as well. So uh, they asked if they could, if I could be brought into their home and I ended up in there. Anyways, when I got adopted by them, that was my first, uh, experience into the life of church in general. I had never been really exposed to that. Um, 
but it's interesting, you know, from even the, the, the time that I was 11 years old, I, um, uh, picking up a Bible and reading it. And, um, even, even then I could, I could see there were things in there, uh, that you and I talk about now from a supernatural standpoint that were way, um, way out of the box back then. Um, but anyways, to get how I got connected up with Dave and Jim, um, about, I would say 2008, 2009, uh, I was having, um, some strange, uh, experiences, uh, at night. Um, now these are not necessarily on the godly side. This is kind of the, more the demonic at first, but I'll get into the godly stuff a little bit later here. Um, and it was the situation where, um, I was being, you know, paralyzed at night and, um, and then, you know, this, you know, very, uh, I would say dark shadow demonic entity, you know, would stand at the foot of my bed looking at me. Um, and this would, this was pretty persistent for a while. And, um, then, you know, finally, you know, <laughs> not, you know, me being more probably from a fundamentalist background, not necessarily understanding the gifts or anything or what, or what this was, um, being more maybe a pretty traditional conservative Christian. I didn't, know exactly how to attack this at this time uh so and in, in, in the little research that i could do uh you know I, I determined that this was actually you know definitely demonic and uh so that you know i started when this 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 event would happen over and over again i i, I did the simplest thing that i could think of at the time because it's, it's frightening to be paralyzed not be able to speak not be able to move have your eyes open, yeah. see this thing, and not be able to do anything about it. It can really just throw you for a loop, and it and it did for a while. Uh, but I did the simplest thing I could think of, and it's very elementary from this standpoint. But I just I spoke these words: "Was Jesus loves me? This I know, for the Bible tells me so." You know, I would say that just over and over again, and um, I noticed over time that the these visit visits would uh, lessen and lessen until they eventually just completely disappeared altogether. And I thought, you know, it was interesting. It was a dark entity, and then eventually it was kind of a an alien gray type shape. And that was the thing that kind of triggered me into, you know, where where we're at right now. Um, I had happened just to be listening to uh, a recording on YouTube of Coast to Coast AM radio with somebody named Jim Wilhelmson talking about a book called Beyond Science Fiction. And so I had listened to that show, uh, actually had go purchase that book. I read that book. And then at the end of that book, it said, hey, you ever have any questions, you know, feel, feel, feel free to contact me. So I reached out to Jim and shockingly, you know, he responded to me. And then, you know, we got hooked up through Pell Talk and, you know, I've been part of the group with Jim and um, Dave ever, ever since then. So that's been, you know, probably what, nine, ten years now. Yeah. So, yeah. but into the more of the kind of the spiritual things, um, my things have been more uh, recent as of probably 2015, 2016, I think, mm -hmm. uh, when things started to change. Um, you know, it was at a time where, you know, the the things in our country were getting very, very dark. 
could see it was the second term of Obama and just things were in decline. I could, I could tell that we were really in trouble and I was just kind of just very sorrowful. And I, you know, I had really offered a lot of prayers to God just in general about, Hey, you know, would you, you know, kind of a, almost a Sodom and Gomorrah situation. If there's still X amount of righteous in this, you know, people in this country, will you, will you save it? Uh, would you clean up the corruption uh, in our leadership and government and everywhere else and uh, make, you know, not in this exact words, but make America great again is basically what the theme was. But, um, and I, I know that within even about a month of that prayer, all of a sudden my wife was saying to me, Hey, Donald Trump just announced he's going to be president. And I, I, I initially I laughed. I laughed at it. Like, this has got to be a joke, right? I mean, why not? It's a, it's a complete circus this country is, you know? And, uh, but then I went out and I listened to his, him speak at his, you know, his announcing that he was going to run for president of the United States. And I tell you what, uh, the the Holy Spirit hit me so hard. I I don't I don't even know how to describe it, but I felt love and understanding that I had to support this man. You know, like my life depended on it, and pray for him. And I didn't quite understand it at the time. I just it was odd. I was caught off guard with it quite a bit. And then, you know, I, I thought, well, there's got to be, you know, I can't be the only one out here that feels this way. If this is a movement of God, then there's going to be others. Well, you know, I started seeing, you know, Mark Taylor, Kim Clement, which I had bought, brought up Mark Taylor many, many times to, I think, Jim and Dave. And, uh, you know, I think even Dave was uh, probably a little bit more, you know, Skeptical. standoffish. Yep. Yeah. Yep. And that and that's fair. Um I don't have a problem with that, um, but I just knew that God was going to use this man uh, for for a purpose in these times that we're about to enter into. Um, I just know it. You can see it. You can see uh, in the way these people, the media, you know, even people that you thought were more on our side, you know, lashing out at him. I mean, just su such venomous words and um they just, they literally just want to kill him. You can just, can, you can tell that, you know, in their demeanor, because uh, of the things that he's doing behind the scenes with the deep state and taking them down. Right. But anyways, um, as far as other things, uh, from a supernatural standpoint, um, you know, um, you know, I had to share this with with Jim, and I don't know if I've shared this with you, Dave, but. Um, <clears throat> on uh, September 19th of 2019, I had a dream um, that was so lucid and so real. Um, <clears throat> sorry, a little emotional. Um, I was sitting there, and um, there was a what I. I could perceive it was a, uh, an actual angel. Um, you know, hugging me and then uh, giving me a, you know, a, a kiss on the forehead.
but the thing is, is I felt it like mm-hmm. it was real to me. You know, most of my dreams I, I've ever had, you know, you, you have the dreams, but you don't have the sensation of actually being touched. But I was touched with that kiss to the forehead. Wow. So, so that's probably the most supernatural thing I've, I've experienced, um, in terms of God. Now I got to be honest to you up until about a year ago, I was a little frustrated because I, I just didn't, I, I wasn't a person that dreamed dreams at all or had dreams or remembered dreams at all. I just never remembered anything. But about a year ago, they all just started, you know, that was one example. There have been other ones, but they're, you know, they're pretty personal. Um, they're personal in the sense that, you know, there's going to be an impact on my life that's going to affect m- my household. Um, but, you know, I don't really, I don't necessarily care to go into the, that detail of that yet because I, I don't know if I have it 100% correct. So I don't really want to speak to that yet. But, um, but in terms of the angel, that's probably the most supernatural thing that I've experienced up wow. to this point. So it's pretty awesome. Yeah, you know, it is. The, the, need, the thing is, it's personal. You know, God is actually talking to you personally and you're, you know, through a dream. I mean, this is something for all of us. And in the last days, the Lord yeah. says, um, your young men shall, um, how does it go? Your young men shall See visions um, have visions in your dream. Dreams. Yeah. And oh, your yeah. sons and your daughters will dream dreams. I mean, you know, this yep. is. This is personal. This is something where um, there was another scripture in an Old Testament one that said that uh, there would come a day and a time like with King David, that you're not going to have to pick up the ephod to determine how you get an answer from God. He will talk to you personally, daily dialogue. This we're in these times today. So you're just I think it's I've seen um, Eric, I've seen just leaps and bounds in your faith. Because God is talking to you personally. He's yeah. given you dreams. And some of them, you know, you've shared and we've we've worked together on them. And it's just incredible how God is very personal. He's directing yeah. you, preparing you, equipping you for some shaking up and waking up that we're all going to be going through. Well, I, I, I can see that because, you know, like you've always, you've kind of always said, Jim, you know, God is going to use the fool to con- uh, confound the wise. Uh, and there's that other scripture you talked about. What's the other one? Uh, I can't think of it off the top of my head about uh, to make no effect. Um, uh, it, it, it pleases him to use the things of no effect to make no effect the things which are. He uses right. it every day. If you look at the profiles of almost everybody God has ever used in the yep. Bible, they've been they've been the uh, disenfranchised, the forsaken, or you know just the you know little nobodies. And, yeah, well, that's that's who you know. No offense, but that's that's who I am. I am. Well, that's what in, all in, of us in, are. well in the yeah. world. In the world, I am a nobody. You know, I'm no one mm-hmm. that um, would look twice at and and say uh, that guy is great or that guy is important or God would use that guy. You know, so I I, I get that. I totally get that. Um, so I definitely understand that. You know, There's been other things. A place to be, I have to admit. Yeah, I think so too. Yeah. I yeah. I do. Uh, you know, I, I see it every day. The only way to get to the top of this world is you got to do a lot of corrupt things to get to the top. Right. You just do. Right. You're only going to go so far up the chain of things unless you're doing immoral things to to gain power. It's just the way it is. Um, 
Uh, and yet, and yet <clears throat> Lord promotes his in his own time. Look at Joseph. You know, Joseph was yeah. the youngest of all the brothers, you know, and he, he goes, he has this great dream and he's all excited. He tells all his brothers and good golly, you know, dude, they're already yeah. jealous of him. Now you're, you yeah. know, that's like jumping out of the frying pan into the, into the fire, but it yeah. still worked out for him. You know, he's taken in as a slave. He's made a prisoner. I mean, in yeah. each step, it was preparation that he was going to be second to Pharaoh. I mean, it's yeah. just, you know, just look at the three of us. Look at our the sphere of people that we know, who we can call friends. How does that happen with three people from such obscure backgrounds like the three of us? Yeah. You know, Dr. Mike Heiser is a friend. Yep. How does that happen? Yeah. You know, one of the five top experts in ancient languages. And when you get to use him as a sounding board, we've, Dave, you and I have been in front of roundtable discussions with some of the um, biggest name theologians in evangelical Christianity that you could ever imagine. How does that happen? I mean, God has given us preference. We know the man that works with Ron Wyatt. Um, Jonathan Gray. <laughs> thank you. I forgot his name. I'm going all, yeah, brother. We can actually say he's our friend. He's been on our program for so long. I mean, he was one that worked with John Wyatt and discovered the Ark of the Covenant underneath, um, in a cave under, underneath oh, where Jesus, where Golgotha, where Jesus was. Uh, and now, of course, he's got the, the oops arts thing and um, just so many other people like that. Things, opportunities, places that you and I have. And, and Eric, my gosh, when we went to the Sonoa Desert, uh, to me, that's where your true colors showed up to me. I, I knew this is a man of integrity. This is a guy that, you know, okay, so he's a young kid. But you know what? This kid's sharp as a pin, man. He's got guts. I mean, when we went to when we went to the Mars, uh, what was the name of that place? The Mars? Uh, oh. oh, the Red Planet Inn. Yeah, yeah it was Red Planet Inn. Yep. And we just happened to have a divine encounter to a guy that had a background. It was He was worked with the uh, uh, United States Geological thing. He was... Uh, Gosh, he had several different degrees. So, oh, yeah, right. So what is he doing as a a, um, a waiter? Well, there's a big story to that. But, again, it was God using the foolish to confound the wise or whatever. He told us the whole story of Sedona, Arizona, and all this other stuff. And he warned us two places not to go to because people disappear. Yeah. So as soon as we get out, what is – and I, I was wondering how Eric was going to take this. So the first thing is, we're going to go there, right? <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, tell you what, like, I've never been more spiritually attacked after after that trip, though. Oh, because we, uh, found, we uh, found, yeah, we found everything we needed to look for, man. Yeah, we yeah. Found, we posted that plaque. Uh, we actually used Dave Flynn's, um, you know, uh, his book Sedona Mars as a guide map to lead us to where we needed to go. Dave, it was you that said, Jim, did you see what the nearest city is to where you're going? And I said, Well, no, I didn't. Pay. And he said, It's it's uh, Baghdad. What, Baghdad, Arizona, nestled in the, the Aquarian Mountains, and its main source is a copper mine. I mean, you can't make this stuff up. It's just, yeah, where it's, it's zeros and ones, man. We're in a matrix. It's all about, com and that's something yeah. that uh, Dave Flynn knew as a fact. And Dave Flynn, here's another guy. He comes to me one day. Now, I when I, in 96, I was still putting stuff together. Dave was a kid then. But, I mean, we're talking about a guy that's like, you know, quad core when the rest of the world's on two, dual core or whatever. And uh, him and his twin brother. And and uh, 
his site was a major encouragement for me as God was telling me things. I saw, oh, gosh, here's a guy that, you know, he gets it. He's, he's doing it, too. So right. I was following him as early as 1996 or 7, I, I think it was. And when I finally got to meet him in Roswell that first year when we all came together, um, after that, I think it was the very next year, because we were meeting annually at the Ancient of Days things in Roswell, New Mexico. Um, he come up to me and he says, Jim, you know, I don't, because of what I know and everything, I, I don't have anybody as a pastor. He says, could you, would you be my pastor? Yeah, um, huh? <laughs> you know, I mean, I, I kind of looked up to, I, I don't usually have a star-struck attitude with anybody, but I did with him. And to think that I would ever actually be asked to be his pastor, what an honor that was. It was great. So we had a great relationship because because of that. You know, and, and that's the thing when you know what we know. And the Bible says in Ecclesiastes, it says that uh, for where there is much uh, wisdom, there is great grief. For where there, knowledge increases, sorrow increases. And when you understand that you're so far ahead of the rest of the world and understanding things, you're going to be lonely. You're going to be out there by yourself. And yeah, I, can, you have to have... I, I can definitely testify that, Jim. Um, yeah. You know, I, I, I've often caught myself sometimes uh, saying a little too much. You know, I'm like, oh, Chuck's, there's there's the stairs, you know. Mm-hmm. It's too much oh. for them, you know. Yep, yep. it is. Um, but, you know, one thing I want to maybe just add, I've, I've also had in the last year a lot of, you know, I'm I'm very analytical and logical mostly with my mind so it, things are numbers to me so i've had a lot of uh, more biblical numerology type things now i know some people consider biblical numerology to be occult based um i don't know what your stance is on that jim oh, he's, um, he's a hijacker man he everything that god but, has he hijacks yeah. astrology but I, yeah, but him. yeah, but mine's all yeah. I under, I know how he uses it, but you yep. know, in terms of like seven, what seven represents from a biblical standpoint. I mean, that's as far as it goes for me. But I know that you know that stuff can be used elsewhere, you know, through the occult and stuff like that. But I've had you know a lot of numerology stuff this year, uh, especially with seven in general uh, and eight. Mm-hmm. Um, that's. Again, it's a little more personal for me, so I'm gonna probably hold that to the chest yet. But, um, but yeah, that's kind of maybe one of the ways I think God has been trying to speak to me as well. So I just wanted to uh, be able to state that as well. Hey, uh, uh, can I speak to that? Yeah, go ahead, please. Um, but you just said, Eric. Uh, I'll just be blunt. The number seven means a lot in the scriptures. Uh, actually, all the numbers mean mean something. Yeah, the Bible is basically a science book too. It's not just uh, God's words; it's like a science book. But the number seven um, means a lot to me, and I'm not into astrology and all that, obviously. But it's weird over the over the years. I'd wake up every morning at seven fourteen, exactly every day for months. Um, you know, uh, things just happen in sevens or eights. You know, seven's the day of rest, or new, you know, eight's new beginnings, and in yeah. scripture. So, as a believer, you got to be careful. I mean, there's believers out there that go way too far on one way or the other, and they can get, they can see too much in something that's not really there. Right. Uh, you sound you sound like a really down to earth guy, or 
you know the Lord, you know the word. And but numbers mean something. God's telling you something. I, it still happens to me. I woke up this morning as a seven fourteen. Oh. Um, I I, I uh, look at the clock and it's seven o'clock. Or it's just it's it's so many different things all day long, every day. I've gotten used to it now. It's been going on for years. Yeah. Um, and it's just <clears throat> God wants uh, to communicate with us, and um, we're living in an age, I believe that a lot of believers are just ignorant. They're not dumb. They're just, they just don't know. When you just say a lot of them, a lot of them don't, Brian? don't want They don't want to know either. Right. Um, That's what I was saying. Will, willfully ignorant. They don't want to know. They're afraid. They are. Exactly. And, and like with you, Eric, God's definitely speaking to you and having a, an angel touch you and, and things like that. And th- what I've learned for me, nothing is an accident. Even the bad stuff that happens, stuff, even the stupid mistakes that we make, and Amen. God has to bail us out, yep. are for a reason. And yep. it molds yep. us in who we are. And there's just a lot of believers that are asleep right now. They don't see what's coming down the pike. And they're going to be shocked when it happens because they're going to think, where did this come from? And, and we would say, well, look in the scriptures and read your newspaper, uh, which nobody reads anymore. But that's just right. <laughs> so. But saying that. Um, that you don't like what happened to me when I spoke about earlier and what's happened to all of us. One another thing he's been really speaking to me about it's just whether he ever does anything for us or not, ever again, spiritually speaking. He spoke to me this Are you still going to trust me and love me? Mm-hmm. When it comes right down to it, it's us and him, me and him, you and right. him, the Lord. And he's got a, a plan for each of us, and I'm definitely we're living in the last times. And the things that we're seeing that we're talking about, I never thought I would see this, some of this stuff in my lifetime. It's accelerating every day. It's just, and the virus is just like another thing. It's like, wow. And what's kind of a shock me is not the unsaved world, how they're treating this time we're living in and the virus. It's the church world, how they're, how they're dealing with it. Right. And some of the believers have their head in the sand and, and not just the virus, but all the things that come with it, the tracking they want to do. Uh, Bill Gates wants to put a chip in the, in the virus, in the vaccine. Track. Yeah. So what I'm saying is, this stuff is happening as we speak. And so how close is it for the kingdom about to just show up? And, and the Antichrist and all that to happen. And it's just, um, it's, no, it's no accident that we're talking tonight and we're being together and, and we're others listening. And who's ever listening, I guess I would just say, wow, be glad if you're a believer. Thank the Lord that you know him, that be, rejoice in your salvation. Right. And that you know him and you're not condemned to hell anymore. But you have a better place called heaven that we're going to be going to one of these days, probably sooner than later. And um, I, I would say to you, Eric, definitely something's going on with the numbers with you. Not everybody sees that kind of stuff. Not everybody knows that kind of stuff. And when you said it, you didn't want to talk about it. I thought that's exactly what happens to me almost every day. And I asked the Lord to show me things. He's, he has showed me things about the seven for my life. Scripturally, they mean something already, you know, 
but for our life, why is he showing it to you? It means something to you. Um, yep. And you just, you just, I, I just ask him and he shows me, I go, why do I have C7 again today, Lord? What's going on? You know, and it could be something like you're seventh in line at the store and somebody in front of you starts talking about some, they have some illness they're going to die from and they're seven, you're seven in line. I mean, I know it sounds crazy, no, but it's not there's no, what you're saying is actually not crazy. Yeah. No, it's actually, <laughs> it's Brian, not. Brian, Dave, yeah. Dave, Eric, and I have, have discussed this and I'm just wondering if you find yourself in the same situation. As you see some of these things actually happening now, <clears throat> does it seem so surrealistic that you actually see yourself in a third person? Like you can't even, I mean, we've jokingly said, you know, which one of us is going to faint? Which one is going to revive us when it, <laughs> when these things start actually really coming down? So, I mean, have you ever, have you experienced that kind of a thing? Yeah, I have. I, I like, I think I, I'm talking to myself. I can't believe I'm seeing what's happening right now. Yeah, yeah. Right. I'm, having, I'm not, I'm not talking to like hearing voices. <laughs> <laughs> talking to myself, <laughs> that kind of thing. Right. But just like driving in my truck, the car to work, thinking, I can't believe what I just heard on the radio. I'm speaking out loud about it. I'm like yep. discussing it with myself. Yeah. Because yep. I'm so in shock what I just yep. heard. Yeah. Right. Okay. Yeah, you've been there. Okay. You're you're part of the club then. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I think I think a lot of our viewing audience has gone through the same kind of thing. No, you're not crazy. You're just, I mean, you're actually seeing what some of you have already anticipated or thought that you would live to see someday. And then when it's actually there, you're in shock. Oh my God, it's, it's right. really here. Right. We're really and here. I, and I think we're living in a time, actually, I know we are where we're probably going to have to stand up for our faith. Amen. The whole church thing and going back to church or not going back to church. I don't want to discuss that part, but it's a picture of what's happening. There are secular powers do not like us. And those secular powers are ruled by a different power that rules our life. Absolutely. And they it's a fight against dark and light. I'm not saying those individuals are demonically empowered, but they're being used. And it, the, the, the scriptures, we're uh, very clear on it. On um, There's children of darkness and there's children of light. And we're living in dark times. And um, I'm seeing more and more believers from both sides. And it's kind of it's saddening to hear some believers talk about what's going on and how they're in fear. And I can understand the fear, but they're also in compromise. Let me just put it this way. If you study history a little bit, our country is getting to the place where. Where Germany was before they gathered all the Jews up. Yeah, yep. absolutely. Yep. That, yep. that is exactly yeah. right. The, the the complacent the, com, the the complacent heart, no conviction anymore to stand up for what you believe, no backbone, afraid to say something because you could look weird or nobody's going to like you. But our country, we live and knew about these atrocities that were happening in Europe, but the church at that time, what I've read, didn't do anything about it. Right. They didn't really stand up and make a vocal voice to stop what was going on. In, in Poland and these different places. And it's kind of where it's at now with the whole corona, the corona, you know what the coronavirus is doing? It's actually a blessing. It's bringing out what the church is really made of. Hey, yes, it is. Yes. It, it is showing who's got character and who doesn't. You know, there's a movie out there. I can't remember the name of it. And it says, um, oh, 
oh, I can't remember what it was, but basically um, hard times don't build character. They reveal character what's already there. Amen. And, yep. and, and as believers, and all of us are here, hopefully, I mean, I know you guys are, but everyone listening, if we know the Lord in our heart, we have a responsibility to stand up for our faith. You know, when it's the right time, and you'll know when it's the right time. But this country is heading towards socialism like a freight train. And thank God that Trump is there, and I believe he was put there to keep that from happening. Right. Um, but we as believers, and this all comes through the power of the Holy Spirit. Um, uh, Jesus said on that day, Peter, I think he was talking to, your father will give you the words to say to defend yourself. Yes. Yep. So yep. We don't have we don't have to be you don't have to have a degree. You don't have to have a large business. You don't have to be rich, have money. You just got to know the Lord and be open to letting him use us because that's where it's going. Um, this virus is probably going to end soon. I'm assuming I think when the election's over, it's just going to completely go away. But. Um, it's revealing other stuff is going on behind the scenes. And believers need to wake up and support their local churches. If you're not in church, get back in church, get into the Word, minister, and pray what God has for you to do in these times. Amen. Yeah. You know, Eric, Eric, one thing, when you, you kept telling me, watch Mark Taylor's movie, watch Mark Taylor's movie, and I kept putting it off. And then I yeah. thought, you know what? I was thinking back to um, our trip to Arizona, and I thought, look, man, maybe you better watch this darn thing. Eric, when I watched it, it was life changing. Oh, yeah. I knew immediately watching this movie, my God, the way the Lord called me was the way he, he almost identically the way he called Mark Taylor. And I knew that I knew that I knew the spirit just overwhelmed. I was in tears. I was crying. I was bawling. I knew this was of God. I just knew yeah. it. And, and I challenge anybody that has not watched it, yeah. please watch the darn movie. You're going to yeah, see my, the plan of God. My support for Trump uh, was to a degree that my wife, my very wife, um, questioned my sanity. <laughs> well, like I kept you, on, I kept I, on saying first... to her that he, he, he is going to win this election. Hillary is not. This is going to happen. It can't be stopped. And I even told my father-in-law that, and uh, when he, they, you know, it, it, you know, I stayed up until the middle of the night watching the election that night uh, that he won, and I didn't quite understand because I was watching as it was unfolding, and I think it got to a point where I had figured out he had to win Nevada and Colorado, and then they went for Hillary, and I thought that's it, it's over. I, I, I understand. And I, and I had not even wasn't even paying attention to what was going on in Wisconsin and Michigan, Pennsylvania, because uh, I just assumed that she was going to win those anyway. But then, of course, at that time, I actually only had um, the only news station I had was CNN. Oh boy, that was, <laughs> that's yeah. like watch. The, that's like the, sticking your head in the toilet. The living meltdown that I I watched on there was just incredible. I mean, they could not even bring themselves to say that he was the president i mean well, they were when shocked. when they were calling other states and they were refusing to call him and <laughs> i just thought ah oh, these guys are nuts they're just well, nuts when they were upset and they were demanding that in detroit 
which is Wayne County, that they recount, you know, the votes. And then when they found <laughs> out that <laughs> there were didn't add up. There were more people voting than were in the population, and they were voting Democrat. It's like, what the heck's going on here? Now, yeah, they know, backed away and said, not according done. According to our laws, according to our laws, if that kind of a situation happens, the entire votes for Wayne County is thrown out. It's no longer available. So fake news and everything covered it up real quick, like nobody mentioned, you know, that fact, and they just dropped it like a bad habit. Why? Because if this happened in Detroit, how many other cities was the same darn thing happening to? You know darn well it's not gonna you're not gonna just pick out Detroit as unique. They did it in all the other major cities. Yet at the last moment, it was like the cards fell apart. All of a sudden the votes yeah, no. just changed, everything switched around. It's like, oh my god. I, I even I was watching it because like when I first heard about Trump running for president, I said, Oh yeah, great. We needed a corporate fascist to come in and run things. That'll be really great. I did not have a very valued opinion. Of Trump when we first sure, began. Sure, from a moral character standpoint. Right. But know, so when I heard when I heard the Trump, you know that the um, uh, Mark Taylor story, man, it all made sense. It all made sense. But this needs to be a, a really big lesson to you know even in the community I walk I walk in that's very conservative, tends to be a little judgmental in my opinion from my background. Uh, you got to be a little bit. I mean, you got to judge evil for what it is. I understand that, but everybody deserves a chance for redemption, right? Amen. Yep. Right. Mm -hmm. Doesn't matter what the background is. You know, we know that Trump spent his life. He was a playboy. We understand that, but even a man like that uh, deserves an opportunity for redemption. So we should pray for him, for his salvation, regardless of what he's ever done in his life. Right. You know, when I was 17, I was an outlaw biker riding in Detroit, you know, and I was not a Boy Scout. I did a lot of bad, bad, bad things. I'm not proud of it. But therefore, if any man being Christ, he's a new creature. All things are, you know, I mean, that's the power of God to change and transform lives. So, you know, I get it. Um, now it's 11.04. Each one of us has had a half an hour. Dave? No, we haven't. No, we haven't. <laughs> what do you mean, no, we haven't? Have. I have a turn. Start talking. you got I half an we, hour. Go. We've kind of got go, into baby, a go. different vein than, uh, than we were before, so maybe it's no, better look for another no, time. No, I don't think so. No, everybody wants to. Come on. No, this is. Don't you guys agree? He needs his half yeah. hour, right? Come on. Yep. Got your half hour, man. Go. All right. <laughs> Um, the clock's ticking. Come on. I, I got to pray real quick. Lord, get me back into this. In Jesus name. Um, I don't know. A lot of things have happened, I guess. Um, I guess the earliest thing that I can remember is, um, right after I was born again, I, I, I used to eat the Bible. I used to, I wish I, I, sometimes when I think about it, I'm ashamed that I don't read it like I used to. Um, but, um, I remember one night um, I, I fell asleep and uh, I just, uh, and there's this black background and I, I kind of, God forgive me, call it my plastic Jesus moment um, because, you know, he just appeared to me in a black background and, you know, he was animated and everything. And um, he said, you can do all things through me. And I thought, wow, that's kind of neat. And I woke up in the morning and I was like, okay, that had to be real because I haven't done any mescaline in a long time. I haven't, 
you know, LSD has been a long time away. Um, didn't haven't smoked pot for months and, and everything else. So I knew it was real. And just by the, the, um, the feeling that I felt in a dream too, I knew it too, but you know, um, hallucinogenics can also do that too. Uh, so anyway, I, I just, <laughs> I just noticed that, um, you know, in my life it was changing. And so I realized that that was him that was talking to me and, um, move, uh, way far into the future from there. Um, we were, uh, at a, actually we went to, we, there used to be a place in Sacramento called the warehouse ministries and they had free concerts every week. You know, you could donate, uh, to a love offering, but for the most part it was free. And, uh, we went to see this one group. Actually, went to see another group, but the group that was before them was so loud and belligerent in their singing that we just got up and left. And uh, we decided to head to Old Sacramento. Uh, it's it's what it is. It's Old Sacramento. It's with plank boards and everything else. It's kind of a neat place. And so we were there and um, uh, just kind of I was praying the whole time. What are we supposed to do here? You know, we we're supposed to listen to the music and get blessed. So what are we supposed to do here? So. Um, an African-American gentleman approached us. He was dressed in mili- um, like he was in the army at one time. He had fatigues on, uh, camouflage pants. I think he was wearing a black beret. Um, and he had a, a green T-shirt on. And he, I think he had combat boots, too. But uh, And he walked up and said, that, you know, if I don't get something to eat, I'm just going to die. Well, you know, we're right outside of Wendy's. So we took him in there. And uh, some of the brothers took him over to one of the tables. Uh, there wasn't any room for anybody else. And. They ministered to him and gave him the gospel and stuff like that. So we were walking out of the restaurant, um, out of Wendy's, and I said, well, I'm going to, I want to talk to this guy further. And so I was right behind him. I mean, I could touch him if I wanted to. And, and so I turned around to see if the rest of our group was with us. And when I looked back, he was totally gone. Um, so I ran out the door and I looked up the street, down the street, across the street, and he was gone. And I, I just knew that we entertained an angel that night. And that was, oh, wow. I'll never forget that as long as I live. Um, Wow. And then talk uh, about your dad. Talk about your dad. What about him? Awesome. How influenced he had in your life and everything. Oh, you mean I had in his life? No, that you had in his that he had in your life and how you had in his life. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's, if you're talking yeah. about the UFO thing, yeah, yeah, how he got me into that. Yeah. Um, let me get back to that later because I okay, I don't I'm sorry. Forget. All right, it's okay. No, okay. that's good. That's a good thing to bring up. Um, so. Back in like 2006, 2007, I was kind of at a crossroads in my life. I was, I knew I had the prophetic gift, but it wasn't really manifesting in my life. And, um, so I, I just started praying a lot. I'd get on the floor and I just lay with my face in the carpet praying. And I did that for hours and hours and hours. And, um, so I started seeing things, you know, I, I remember, well, not so much when I was at home doing that, but, you know, I, I'd be out like at a, function with other brothers and sisters and we'd be um looking at i i would always steal away to be by myself i i just like that i'm not very much of a people person well i am now but i wasn't back then and um so i remember sitting in a baseball field and looking kind of at the horizon and seeing a line go past and in front of the line was was just houses and green and behind the line everything was burned up and i'm like wow that's kind of interesting you know <laughs> What are you going to do? You're going to destroy Sacramento because yeah, almost looked like a nuclear blast. So anyway, um, I, I'd go to drive downtown to go to church and I, you know, the, I'd be driving and all of a sudden all the windows were blown out and the curtains were blowing out of the windows. And it looked like 
like an apocalypse gone through. Or um, so anyway, things like that were happening. Well, I, I, was, I had this really neat pastor, and uh, we need to pray for his wife. If you guys would pray for his wife, I think she's got cancer and she's not doing so well. Her name is uh, Berta Mooney. Um, but anyway, uh, so we go to church, and I had a really good time at that church. Uh, the pastor was awesome; he still is, and so was his wife. And and so I. When we were singing in worship, a lot of times I would go over to the side and I'd lay on the floor like I did at home. And uh, and one day when we were there, um, I just had the urge to lift my head up and look. And at the front of the church, um, I, the only way I can describe it is like a, a big um, a big gold cubicle, like the glass is made out of gold or something, and I could see through it. And as we were worshiping, because we really worshiped neat in that church, it was the neatest church I've ever gone to, and um, it was, and I could see the Lord was in there and, and there were some angels in there and he was just looking at us like, like he was very pleased that, that we were worshiping him in the spirit that we were worshiping in him in, you know, not, not with all the loud music and the banging of the drums and everything, but with, you know, just coming from the heart worship and, and he smiled a couple of times and then the, the cube gradually just went right back up and disappeared. So I thought that was kind of neat. And, um, but the one that I remember the most, um, is uh we were I, th- I think it was at the same church it was yeah and uh we were singing the song all hail the power of jesus name and we think we said man we must have sang it for like 20 minutes and uh all of a sudden it was like i could hear us singing in church but i also found myself standing kind of like in jerusalem after his return and there was like a throng of people standing in the in the uh well, I don't know what the courts, I guess you would call it. And uh, they were all singing the same song. So we were singing and they were singing the exact same words at the exact same time. And because uh, I it was neat because it was like it was like they were receiving the Lord uh, for the first time after he returned. And and we were singing knowing he was going to return. And uh, just the, the two verses, the first two, you know, all hail the power of Jesus' name, let angels prostrate fall. And then as they were singing, bring forth the royal diadem, they actually were in the vision and crown the <laughs> Lord of all. And uh, then the second part was really neat because he comes back to redeem Israel. And so the second verse says, ye, ye chosen seed of Israel's race, ye ransom from the fall, him, hail him who saves you by his grace and crown him Lord of all. And we were singing that and they were singing it. In, in English, it was weird too, but um, wow. so it was just it was just awesome, and I it was I'll never forget. I, I still get the you know how you get the kind of Holy Spirit chills up your spine when <laughs> when that happens, but um, so anyway, you know there's there's been some um, I thought I made another note here, um, throw the worship no that's it, but there's been a lot of things that have happened like that, and you know Jim Jim and I. Um, uh, I had a, a dream one day about uh, blue cows, and uh, <laughs> and I never knew that there were blue cows, but there actually are. Uh, there's a species of cow called blue cows, and they're they're um, a hybrid cow, and uh, they're they're known for their meat. They're very muscular, very muscular cow, I, very big too. I'd never want to come up against one of them, even even a cow, because <laughs> they're just big. And um, and so you know, I, I questioned. I said, Lord, what does this mean? You know, why am I dreaming about blue cows? Nobody's going to believe this. And and basically he said, uh, he said, you know, they represent 
basically the believers, the, the Jewish believers, as far as I could tell, or Israeli, I should say, or Israel, um, during the time of the end. And in the dream, I was, I was leading them through a very dry and weary place, uh, like a desert. And we got to uh, like a, all I could describe it as maybe is like a gigantic beach by the Red Sea. And, and I was like, okay, well, I, I know the enemy's coming and I don't know what to do, Lord, help me. It was kind of like I was Moses. It was really weird. But anyway, uh, he says, well, you've done all you, you need to do. I'll take it from here. And then I, I left that scene. And I was kind of perplexed. I, I called and I asked Jim, I says, what can you make out of this? You know, and and so he got the answer basically the time that I got it. And basically it was that, you know, those were the, uh, I don't want to say maybe the 144,000, maybe yeah. just a bunch no. of. You know what? It's time to say it, man. People need, Might as well. they need, they need to know that they have a mark in their forehead and they're sealed. Right. That means God is supernaturally protecting them. Mm-hmm. and supernaturally empowering them. These are the warriors of the end-time army that in the first half, they get victory over the beast. The second half, the beast gets victory over them, but they overcome him by the word of their testimony and the, the blood of the lamb and love not their lives even unto death. They need to know this now, so go ahead, man. Yeah, it's just that that's basically what we came up with. Yeah. You know, the, exactly. the answer that we were given, because um, it's the only one that made sense. You know, at first I thought maybe that the the they were hybrids, you know, uh, from the other side. But why would, I, why would I be trying to save hybrids? You know, and, uh, <laughs> I remember when you said yeah. That. Why? And, well, there's yeah. something wrong with this picture. Yeah. But you know, you know, the amazing thing is is the uh, Petra. Yeah. If you look at Old Testament, Petra under a time of persecution, the Jews fled into the mountains that were carved. There was a city carved into the rocks. And there were secret patches, passages going deeper into the place where they, the Jews were able to hide. And so their enemies, they come in, they look through the surface of the caves, they couldn't find anybody, and then they left them. Mm-hmm. Man, the Lord gave me a, a New Testament interpretation of what Petra is. Petra is the, think about this. Who is the, who is the rock? Well, Jesus is the caves. Yes. Amen. He is the rock and he's got secret places of intimacy. There's a cave. You can go in and find refuge. This is the opening, the presentation of knowing about God. But there's hidden passages that go deep into it. It's the Kononia fellowship of one Christian to another. New Testament version is that that. What is the secret places is the intimacy of a relationship not only with God, but with one another. Iron sharpens iron. We go into these deep passages and we're hidden in Christ. Right. We are Petra. Mm-hmm. We are Petra as iron sharpening yeah. iron. And not forsaking the assemblies as together as the manner of some is, but so much more as you see the day approaching. What day? The day of the Lord. When a, a, a place where what we are experiencing is there is an austerization, I guess you might say, of those that understand the Genesis 6 paradigm. The Bible says that the that the these 144,000 follow the lamb wherever he goes. Mm-hmm. Well, he's taken us to the cosmic Christ. He's taken us to the weird, crazy stuff that all of us know, that all of us understand, because we are willing to follow him wherever he goes, no matter how crazy it is. So we, iron sharpening iron, coming together, we have that quantity of fellowship. 
Yeah. We have the iron and sharpens iron. The safe place in the haven is in Christ, willing to follow him wherever he goes. The 144,000, so many people, Dave, you guys know, Eric, and Brian, I'm sure too. So many people say, I understand this, but what am I going to do with this? What? I mean, my family thinks I'm crazy. Everybody thinks I'm crazy. Keep planting the gospel seeds. And when this gospel is preached unto all the world, then the end comes. So right. what we know is just seeds to pl to plant, to go fish. I mean, what we got is bait to go fishing. Right. Let's, you know, <laughs> the what, what Bible, the, the, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say one thing. The, the shirts say, you know, uh, shoot them all and let God sort them out. Well, as Christians, we say pray for them all and let God sort them out. Yeah, that's right. Knows, you know, yep. that's what we do. One of the, um, it just came to my mind now. I don't know why it left, but one of the um, more profound uh, visions I had, I was at work of all places. Actually, it's kind of a nice place to have a vision. It kind of breaks up the monotony or the or the, the hardness that's going on. But um, I was sitting in the break room and I was thinking about God's word, just thinking about the Bible, you know, and and I looked over in the corner and uh, people are going to think I'm nuts for saying this, but um there was a Bible that was kind of floating there, but it was kind of translucent. And I walked over to it in my, in my mind's eye. Um, and I looked into it and each page that I was able to see went down for eternity, almost, you know, infinity. And, and I was like, wow, this is kind of neat. So it kind of confirmed that the Bible is like a four dimensional or a five dimensional book. It's not just mm -hmm. that you hold in your hands, but it was explained to me that the Bible is the book of life. And amen. That, and yeah. that the, uh, you know, because so you could if you had a three or 40 or 5D Bible like that, you could list every name because it would go up. Each page would go up for eternity and each page would go down for eternity. There'd be no beginning or end to the pages. And you could list every believer that ever lived. You could list all the Old Testament saints that lived because there were a lot more than the, than that are mentioned in the Bible, you know, Old Testament saints. Um, and so that was that was really profound. And that's another one. Every time I think about it, I kind of like, wow, you know, it's I remember one time um, I was in San Francisco and we walked by a TV store and I was looking at the TV and they, they um Actually, what I did is I went and I changed all the TVs to different channels because I like to do stuff like that. It, drives, it used to drive the <laughs> so, um So I was looking at all the TVs outside the window, and, and they all had different programs on them. Most of them did. There weren't that many channels back then. And, um, and, I was, and the Lord said, look at one TV. And I said, yeah. And he says, well, you can kind of focus on that totally, right? Yeah. And I said, yeah. And he says, look at two TVs. And, you know, he says, you could pretty well focus on two TVs, you know, you got to go back and forth and stuff, but you can, if you were to watch two, you could kind of get the gist of what was going on and understand. I said, yeah. He says, I look at 7 billion TVs at the same time. And I was like, oh, oh I boy. just shut down. I shut, I, I shut down. I couldn't comprehend it. And another time yeah. I was thinking about, yeah. um, about uh, in, eternity. You know, and I was equating it with, okay, you know, my lifetime, maybe uh, the time, the whole time that Earth has existed. And then he's like, yeah, but, you know, that's just that. You know, it, eternity goes on forever. And that's another thing that will shut your brain down. So I advise you not to even try that. <laughs> but, um, until, until we're there, right? <laughs> yeah. Sometimes it, 
I, I tell people because I have had some of the patients that I work with, they'll they'll see me just kind of staring off, and and you know, and that's kind of a that's called the catatonic state. And uh, sometimes they'll look at me, are you okay? You know, I'm saying, yeah. I said, <laughs> my brain works all the time from the minute I get up to the minute I go to sleep. And I said, sometimes it's just nice to have that little break, you know, with nothing yeah. happening. Oh, you can do that? And I said, yeah. Oh, I do that all the time. <laughs> I'm like, oh, great. Uh, now I'm going to be committed. But um, so, you know, it's just it's just nice to have that break every once in a while. It's nice to nice when the Lord just kind of takes you know, just a few minutes away from your busy day and just kind of speaks to you for, for a minute or two mm-hmm. just to, to to show you something new or to confirm something or or just to uh, bring some clarity to a subject that you've been you've had on your mind for quite a while. And I, I just love that. I I'll always relish that. You know, Dave, when we first got to talk to each other, we met, first met in 2004, was it in Brazil, uh, mm-hmm. New Mexico, ancient of days? Yeah. 2005. Sorry. There was there was somebody we used to work with. What we found out now is actually a CIA disinformation office. You know, yeah, working for whatever. Yeah. Well, there was a rumor that went out about me. People were trying to make me look like I was a crazy lunatic or a nut. Mm-hmm. You were the only one that came back to me and asked me, Jim. I heard this weird stuff. What What do you got to say about it? Mm-hmm. And brother, you've been my Aaron, ever since then, mm-hmm. um, you know, Jim, I explained I, it. I've been I explained it to you so many times of things that that I learned through through trial and error. Uh, to give everybody the benefit of the doubt till you hear their story. Well, I'll tell you, brother. I'll tell you. Uh, you know, I mean, God can speak to me and tell me, okay, you know, stand tall, be strong, wait it out, whatever. But you still got to have that human connection. Yeah, mm-hmm. I agree. Absolutely. And, and you've stood with me all these years as my best faithful friend. You've been my errand. When I'm out around, you pick my hands up. You have always been there for me. And like you've always yeah. believed me. And yes, it has. It's been it's been a total symbiotic relationship. But uh, you know, I got to tell you, there's times when I don't know whether I would have ever made it without having your friendship, without you being there as a trusted brother. That's what Cronenia. Um, relationships is all about. This is what God is trying to bring all of us to. That in spite, I mean, because we didn't always agree with everything theological or anything. Right. It didn't matter. We were still connected. We still trusted each other. We still respected one another. And uh, that, uh, you know, I only bring that up because this is something that's so vital now that God is going to provide us. This reset, this turning the world upside down, inside out, you know, is as you know, the, the prophetic people have all harm, in harmony told us is about to happen. It's going to be a good thing. On one hand, it's going to look horrible. On the other hand, it's going to be a good thing. The coronavirus thing, it depends on how you perceive it. It has brought so many people together, families appreciating, loving one another in a deeper sense than they have ever had before. It's been a time where people have been made to be quiet, to be still before God, to hear from God, to reevaluate their lives, to... Um, realize, you know, how much have I actually invested in the kingdom of heaven and how much have I been deceived by this virtual world? And let's face it, man, all of us get deceived by this virtual world. My gosh, you know, 
for most of my life, I've always thought that the CDC was part of the government. They always have this little seal associated with them. So you think, oh, well, it's part of it. The, they're no more part of the government than um, than the Postal. Federal Reserve is. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like you know, the only thing we can trust is Jesus Christ, our personal relationship with him. And also to discover what the Lord is beginning to really instill or reinstill in all of us as a church is that chronia type fellowship iron sharpening iron to get in, intimate to be real with people to, to you know if you have doubts or questions or anything speak them out get real with each other and right. share your doubts or whatever uh, we need to always have love and respect for one another as families of god don't start calling you know somebody a a, a wolf's in sheep clothing then i mean in I think it's Proverbs 3. It says to wear mercy and grace around your neck as a necklace. When you think about it, whether you turn to the left, turn to the right, or anywhere else, it's all around you, mercy and grace. So whatever you are determining, whatever you're saying, it's got to be full of mercy and grace. You're leaving out for anybody and everybody. And I don't know, in our relationship, man, that's what you've been to me. And, and I just I wanted to say that, that you were the only person. When this came out, I mean, it almost wiped out my ministry. Totally. They tried to make me look like it was a megalomaniac weirdo or whatever. You're the only one that came back to me and said, Jim, I heard some really weird stuff about you. What do you got to say about it? Yeah. And we've been brothers and best friends ever since. Yeah. Well, I wouldn't have been a hypocrite and a fool if I hadn't have done it that way. <laughs> <You know>? <laughs> <So>. <laughs> well, anyway. you know that. Go no, go ahead. No, no I'm I was done. just going to remind you that pumpkin time is approaching. We got five <laughs> minutes. So. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, um, okay, you almost got a full half hour. Oh, that's okay. <laughs> so that's right. One of us did. I said everything I needed to say. Yeah. Well, and we all did. So we, we got all we needed and said what we needed yeah. to say, and that's good. I just yeah. really appreciate Brian coming on. He's 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 an awesome guy. He's uh, He's got a lot of years of serving the Lord under his belt, um, and uh, he's another one that you could you can always go to to talk to, and uh and I really uh, relish our our times together when we do get together, Brian. It's it's uh, you're a real blessing and uh, an encouragement too. So thank you. You know, to me, what a value is, Brian, is that you come from a different you know um, perspective, maybe, but the same conclusions. I love it, man. You're you're yeah. definitely a big important addition to our program. You really are. I enjoy every time you've been on so far. It's been really great. Um, same God, same spirit. Same unity. That's right. Well, thank you for having me. Thanks, Jim and Eric and Dave. Thank you so much for the kind words. Oh, well, there's truth. <laughs> yes, thank you. <laughs> yeah. The truth always is kind. <laughs> hey, maybe we, yeah. rename, maybe we ought to rename the program the Fantastic Four. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Who opposed the Matrix? Yeah, there you go. <laughs> yeah. yes. I love it. Very good addition, yes. Who opposed the Matrix? <laughs> yeah, Brian, Brian, you're always welcome on here, okay? You really are. Yep, sir. Uh, maybe the title will afford itself where we can, we can make it the Fantastic Four. You know, that's <laughs> that's up to you, you know. Yeah. Okay. But, yeah. I didn't want to impose myself too much, so I kind of laid back. So. No, no. Never <laughs> no, you didn't, position. bro. No, you didn't. No. You, everything you said was excellent. It's perfect. All right. Definitely. Well, thank you so much. I really thank enjoyed you. it again. Same nice here, meeting buddy. you too, Eric. Yeah, nice meeting you as well. All right. All right, with that, I'm going to say goodbye to our audience. We all will, I guess. And uh, 
just uh, have a blessed week, audience, and uh, and you too, my brothers, and uh, until we meet again. Adios. All right. Thank you. Amen. Goodbye. Goodbye. Goodbye now. Bye.